Hello ladies and gents, it's a Baggies broadcast, it's season 3, episode 32. My name is Luke Hatfield and as ever, I'm joined by a man who managed to get to the Hawthorns after months and months of it being empty. It was still a little bit empty, but he was there, Mr Joe Massey. Hello. How are you doing? I'm alright mate, I'm alright, yeah, I was there, I was there. Um, it was... How did you find it? Um... Yeah, very, very odd. Um, if I'm being honest, I don't know if we're going to touch on this a bit later, but for uh, this sounds really, really selfish, but I think for the first hour I was there, I was just a little bit like giddy and just very, very happy to be there. Mm. Um, so don't get me wrong, it was very, very noticeable that supporters weren't there. Um, very, and that very, I wasn't there. And, and, and of course that you weren't there. And <laughs> you hadn't given me like a blow-by-blow debrief of the food you'd just eaten. Oh, I'll tell you what, I bet you missed that. <laughs> I didn't miss that. It was weird walking through, because uh, we had to walk through like the, it's not really a canteen, is it? But you know what I mean, like the media room. Yeah. And obviously it was just empty, but a bottle of water you could pick up if you want. And I was like, wow, Luke Hatfield would not like this. Uh, no, no, I wouldn't have. Um, so, yeah, I mean, being honest, because I, I mean, look, like everyone listens to this podcast, I absolutely love football and I couldn't wait to go. I love the Hawthorns. I couldn't wait to go and I couldn't wait to sit in my seat and I just couldn't wait to see the place, really. Um, so that sort of got me through the first hour. Um, I was just... And then as that second half wore on, I really, really, really missed supporters. Mm-hmm. Really, really missed them. Um, it was just so incredibly flat and... Obviously, Albion kept pushing and pushing. They were knocking on the door from the first whistle to the last, really. Um, but obviously, as every minute ticked by, it was just it more and more unlikely they were going to. They'd have to probably have to settle. They're going to have to settle for a draw. And I, I just felt while I was sat there, um, if the crowd were there, they'd have won the game. Mm. Um, I think they would have just been that. I'm not saying they didn't try, as they, of course they did. Um, I just felt maybe that bit of magic, that little bit of a lift, maybe something. I, just, I don't know why I think that I feel that way, but I just do. Um, and I sort of puffed out my cheeks at one point in the second half, and I was like, like I cannot wait until fans are back. Um, I hate to say it because I'm incredibly fortunate to go, but the novelty did wear off in that second half. I wanted proper football back. Um, I really wanted that atmosphere back. Not going to lie to you, as a game, it probably didn't help either. Um, but before we carry on talking about football, please, please tell me you didn't get like a McDonald's or a KFC or some sort of fast food without me, Joe, because I won't be happy. I did, pal. I'm sorry. Oh, you you say what? McDonald's opposite the Hawthorns. That was my little no. pre-match meal. Yeah. Um, first McDonald's since lockdown. Uh, me Can't and Joe Chapman this. from the Birmingham Mail, we both got one. There was two of you? Yeah, we, yeah. Socially distanced McDonald's, both sat in our own cars. Um, one just, minute, one minute. I'm just reaching to get something out of my back. Oh, it's, it's, it's oh, you just, you just stabbed me in the back, haven't you? I, I felt like you were there in, in spirit because um, I couldn't have a barbecue legend burger. Is it not on the menu? It's not on the menu. Very, very, very disappointing. What? They're on a reduced menu. So what's on this menu? Uh, well, to be honest, because the queue was getting longer and I wanted to just get to the Hawthorns, I sort of just went. I just went nine chicken nuggets. A solid though, to be fair. Um, chips and a drink, yeah. Um, Can't believe I've been replaced. Well, to be fair, mate, it wasn't. It, it was very. I mean, we were, we were sat in our cars, our own cars, 
eating a McDonald's on our own. You didn't really miss out on much. <laughs> it'll be... Um, when you're back, mate, it'll be a lot better, trust me. And we can sit around and have our little debrief as usual. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I mean, I'm, I mean, I want to wrap up the podcast now, four minutes, 20 seconds in, but we've got a whole thing to talk about uh, after that bombshell, um, Mr. Massey. Uh, but no, um, how did... I don't know if you watched many of the other games this weekend. Have you watched many of the other games? Uh, only highlights, really. All oh, right, okay. So anyway, um, it was interesting because watching the West Brom Blues game, I think everyone who's listening now will admit that it wasn't a thriller. Uh, but I tell you what, I mean, it was a bit more exciting than that Liverpool Everton game, which was absolutely grim. Oh yeah, I, I, I was. I heard that. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, watch it was. It. it was so poor. Yeah, no, I didn't watch. I didn't, I didn't watch it. But I gathered, <laughs> I gathered from Twitter and from. I spoke to my dad while he was watching it, and uh, he, he didn't he, miss a thing. No, he said it was absolutely shocking. You didn't miss a thing. Do you think that, like, because you mentioned it, like not having the fans there, and the fact that there's been such a break and players are still probably trying to get back to match sharpness and fitness. Do you reckon after a certain period of times, a time, do you think the game dies out a little bit earlier than it would normally? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if dies out is the term. Look. I think in in football, the only way I can describe it like this is I think everyone, I've, well, uh, me personally, I've always looked at it and I've gone, why why is home advantage so important? Why? Like mm. at the end of the day, it's twenty two players, a football and a grass pitch, isn't it? Does it really matter if you're playing at the Hawthorns or at anywhere else? Why why are teams so much better at home than they are away? And on Saturday, look, we know the result yesterday between Cardiff and Leeds. Absolutely brilliant result. Fantastic mm. from Cardiff to win 2-0 at home um, against Leeds. But on Saturday, the only team to win at home was Blackburn. Yeah. Um, the only team out of all those games. Um, and we've seen in the Bundesliga that home results have dropped. Slavon Bilic said before the game, Home advantage is not, there is no, now no home advantage. He said it's not been reduced, it's zero. There is no home advantage. So that's what gets you over, that's what wins your games. Your fans win your games. I mean, it's such a cliche, isn't it? The 12th man and all this, that and the other, and you just roll it out and people say it and this, that and the other. But I think actually on Saturday, I really realised what that means. Um, and I think mm. the results absolutely back it up. And that's why I said a couple of minutes ago, I genuinely believe Albion would have won that game if their supporters was there. I know, I know the crowd would have got on their back a bit. I know they would have been getting frustrated um, as they struggled to break down what was a really resolute blue side. Um, but it can't be a coincidence, can it? It can't be a coincidence that without fans there, basically one, ho- one team won at home on Saturday. Um, and the same's happened in, in Germany as well, so... Yeah, that's 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 the only sort of like analysis I can take from it. Um, it is very very strange about supporters there. It's really really strange. Mm, certainly is. Right, I've got some talking points to discuss from the game because I tell you what, it's nice to talk about game, isn't it? In a podcast, I mean, blimey, for for months we've been doing without it. Um, and the first one is obviously the big one. We saw Bilic um, revert to four two three one. 
instead of the 4-3-3, which you kind of moved to before lockdown. And there's a lot of questions over whether that was the right way to go after seeing the game. I mean, Joe, what did you make of that 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 team selection, that that formation? I think it's pretty obvious that it didn't really work in terms of breaking down the Blues. So it certainly worked in terms of dominating the game because Blues hardly ever had a sniff, but they couldn't really find a way through them. Yeah, I think there's a lot to say on it, really. And look, with the benefit height, look, we're sat here now knowing the result, aren't we? We're sat here knowing the result and how the game panned out. Mm. Um, I've got to be honest, I mean, starting from just a personal, this is my own personal opinion. Um, I'm, not a, I'm, I'm just not a 4-2-3-1 man. I'm just not. It's not. I don't dispute for one minute Albion were absolutely outstanding in it in the first four months of the campaign. Um, but what I'm saying is, if a, if a club come to their senses and sack their manager and appoint me tomorrow, um, we won't be playing four two three one. It's just not. It's just not my system. Um, I'm very big on having three men in the middle of the park. Um, I'm very big on four three three. Um, and I think. So that's my bias, if you like. I'm getting that out of the way early because you can already see how I feel about the system. Mm. It's just not It's just not the one I would personally go for. But obviously it's a favourite of Billich and obviously it was used so well in the first four months of the campaign, like we said. Um, it really surprised me. Um, he went for it based on what he said in lockdown. We said it on the previous podcast that he said that that shift to 4-3-3, he felt, gave his team more defensive solidity, but it didn't lose their attacking threat. Mm. He obviously, obviously, that's what, is what Bilic believes, because he wouldn't have said it otherwise. Maybe he thought for the visit of Blues that they were going to be dogged, they were going to be resolute, and he felt that he had to get more sort of attacking options on there. Um, but there's... There's a lot about it. I don't. I, I don't know. It's awful. I, I do. I do think he got it wrong. If I'm honest. And, and look, the truth is, like you said, they absolutely dominated the game. And if they'd won the game one nil or two nil or whatever, which they easily could have done with that performance, you wouldn't question it, would you? No. You'd be saying, "Oh, so, no, you got it spot on. They won the game. That's all that matters." Dominated from the first minute to the last. I just, for me, four three three. I think Philip Kovinovich was really un. Unfortunate to miss out. I actually, I was. I asked Bilic after the game. We had our little Zoom press conference, um, and I said to him, Slavin, four two three one. Not seen it for a long time. What What was you thinking? Why did you decide to ditch four three three that had been so successful? And his answer, um, which is in the paper today and online, was uh, he wanted to get his best players in his best in their best positions. Um, so I've thought about that a lot since he said it, and. The only player who I believe he's getting in his best position is Mateus Pereira, really. Yeah. He's moving Pereira from wide right to that number 10 role, which I think we all know is his best position. No one's going to dispute that. He's, you want Pereira in those central areas. But it's not Jake Livermore's best position, I don't think. I think, he's been, I think Jake Livermore's been outstanding all season, but I think he went to another level in a three. Um, when he was given that extra bit of licence, that extra bit of protection to push on. Um, so it wasn't his best position. Um, and I'm not sure it's Callum Robinson's on the left of a three. Um, look, at the Robinson issue is a big... Um, you've got to have a massive caveat with it. Look, it, it was the first game in three months. It's the longest professional football players have ever been without playing. Um, 
But when Robinson was wide left in a 4-3-3, he had more space to cut inside. Mm. Whereas when he tried to cut inside on Saturday, he was essentially drifting into areas already occupied by Pereira. Um, and obviously Phillips is a more natural winger, st st stays wide more. It was very, very, very congested. Uh, I'm not saying Robinson can't play that position because of course he can. He's a, I mean, I'm a huge fan. I think he's a wonderful footballer. But I don't know. For me, it wasn't... It's not... It, it, I don't think that's the, the best. I don't think it, that role, that way you're playing him in that position. I don't think that's his best role if you're going to put him on 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 the left wing in a four-two-three-one. So I don't know. I don't. If it was me, I'd have gone four-three-three. I'd have liked to have um, Kravinovic's directness mm. in the team um, because I think they lacked a little bit of directness on Saturday. They were a bit reluctant to shoot on too many occasions they overplayed a lot I felt when they got in and around the box there's there a lot of times there was just one pass too many I think Kravinovic would have had a go a few more times I think Robinson if he had more space would have had a go a few more times um, so for me it's very hard to be look Slavon Bilic knows way more about football than I do I'm not disputing that for one second um, but for me, I, I would have gone four-three-three. It makes it very easy to say that when they only drew, drew the game. Um, but they did play well. They did dominate the game. There's no doubt about it. So, but in hindsight, I think if he, if if it was to be played again, I wonder if we would go four-three-three mm. um, and bring Kravinovic back in. I suppose there's nothing really stopping Bilic making that change mid-game, is there? When you think about it, because you could always just ring on Kravinovic and then switch to the system uh, unless you've to playing someone else in midfield um, but he's I suppose you're allowed you're allowed considering the work that Bilic has done and how he's performed over the season you're allowed one maybe mistake considering how many times he's, he's, he's hit a winner well, yeah and who am I to say it's a mistake I'm not saying it was a mistake I'm just saying that I'd have done things differently I think who knows? He might have gone four three three and lost the game two 0 Like you don't, you just like, I, I don't know. But it's and, the, and you're right. He could have changed it in game. He and he didn't want to. He said when I asked him that question, he felt four two three one was the best way to go for this game. I think when we saw the introduction of Dean Garner and Edwards, um, they both stayed a lot more. They they kept their width a lot better than Phillips and um, Robinson did. Mm. And that did create more space for Pereira um, when they came on because they are just more natural sort of chalk on your boot swingers. I mean, Phillips is a chalk on your boot swinger, but he sort of went here, there, and everywhere a little bit on Saturday. Um, whereas Dean Garner and Edwards did hold that shape a lot better. They held the width a lot better, and that did lead to Pereira coming slightly more influential. And mm. um, he went close with like a real a low drive from sort of twenty yards. Um, yeah, however, it just wasn't... I think they did improve-ish for the introduction of Edwards and Dean Garner, although I did think both Edwards and Dean Garner looked rusty. It was actually sort of... Attack, they improved because of their attributes and the, and the sort of the tactics of it rather than those two players, I'd say. Cause, yeah. Because when they both came on, I think they both looked rusty, really. Um, but it's an interesting one. 
I'd, I've got to be honest, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't go 4-3-3 at Brentford. Hmm. Very, very surprised. Um, especially as I, I think they play that system. Um, so I think you're going to need that extra man in the middle of the park. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. be interesting to see how it goes. Um, you mentioned the rust around Dean Garner and, and Edwards. I'll tell you who, was, who wasn't rusty. Uh, one, Romain Sawyers. And two... Ahmed Aghazi, and it was a, it was, I thought it was a, it was a big call. Well, some something of a call to make to put Aghazi in over Bartley, who's been so good over this season, but obviously been a long break now. But I thought both of them did really well. Um, I thought Sawyer's was absolutely excellent. Um, it's just, I think what what really goes unnoticed with Sawyer's is his reading of the game. Mm. Um, you look how many times balls are cleared by the opposition and how many times they fall at the feet of Romain Sawyers or you just jinx to le- left or right or whatever and just collects the ball and then puts it, plays it forward again to, to maintain that pressure to rebuild if you like um, I think the amount of times he's in the right place goes really really under the radar um, mm. and he was exceptional at that on Saturday Whenever Blues cleared, Romain was there to sweep it up, bang, forward pass into one of the front three, and Albion were on their way again, high up the pitch. Um, I think he was very, very good. Um, that was that was like Romain Sawyer's first four months of the season or so. He was he was excellent. Um, Hagazi, I thought did really well. I thought him and Ajay both did well, really. Um, there was one ball over the top, Hogan chased, um, and Shemi Ajay just ran back and swept it up like there was no bother at all. Um, mm. I thought it was an excellent piece of defending. I thought Hagazi was good on the ball. Um, I thought he was tidy on the ball, and that one ball to Phillips in particular. Um, got him in, was a, was a good chance. I thought it was good in the air. Yeah, good in the, I think he was... He was good. I thought I thought he was a solid seven out of ten. If I'm being honest, I get in the player ratings, Sawyer's was the only player I gave an eight to. Um, and I thought Agazi was a solid seven. I don't I don't think they were massively tested. If I'm honest, mm. um, I, I think Yukovitz and Scott Hogan are, are a really good partnership, but I don't think Ajay and Agazi were massively troubled over the ninety minutes. Um, that's why, like, I was a bit. There's a lot of people singing Agazi's praises on Saturday, and don't get me wrong, I think he played really well. But I was a bit, I was a bit more reserved than they were, just because I don't see what Blues really offered. I think if we, it, I can't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see him scoring if they were still playing now. True. Would you see him starting against Brentford? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would definitely, de- definitely think. I definitely think after that performance, he deserves to keep his place in the side. I thought, I thought like, I, thought, I genuinely thought he played well. Um, but and and that was the big call wasn't it it was a very very big call to go Agazi over Bartley we said on the podcast last week I think there's next to nothing between them I think Albion will get promoted whether Bartley plays all the games or Agazi plays all the games um, so that was probably I would say picking Hagazi over Bartley and leaving Kamal Grzycki out of the squad completely they were probably the oh, and leaving Connor Townsend now actually. They were mm. they were probably the, the three hardest decisions. <clears throat> Billich had to, well, probably the three most uncomfortable conversations Billich would have had to have. Um, 
when he was naming his team and announcing his squad. Um, and he confirmed afterwards, as you would expect from Bilic, he spoke to every single player. He explained the reasons why they were on the bench or why they were being left out because he's just that type of person. He's always going to handle things the right way. But that would have been an uncomfortable conversation because I, I think Bartley would understandably feel aggrieved at not playing and feel he's done enough to keep his place. But Agazi did very, very well. You kind of um, touched on the next point, which was the, the team selection. Um, there are a couple of big ones and you kind of already covered Agazi. Uh, Gibbs was obviously back in. Uh, Steiner left back over Townsend who didn't even make the squad uh, and as you said Grzycki who I mean by all accounts and what will have, people will have seen over social media you know he scored against Villa in the in the friendly before they came they came back I mean he's he's been doing well by the sounds of it uh, not even in the squad was I mean there's a lot of questions over whether you know fitness was an issue I mean big calls um, huge calls huge calls all the way across the board I mean I think the Darnell Furlong, Dara Roche one surprised everyone, um, just because mm. we're not used to seeing Furlong and Gibbs together. We know Bilic likes to play with one sort of defensive-minded fullback and one more attacking fullback. Hence the reason why Nathan Ferguson was so integral, um, and why you would often you would start either on the right or left. Um, but he obviously wanted to go for it on Saturday, Bilic. He obviously felt that Blues would sit back. Um, that's probably why he went four two three one, um, and he got these attacking players on. But I think, I think Furlong did well. I think he never ever lets Albion down. Like really like him as a person, really like him as a player. Um, I think O'Shea will come in on Friday um, against what is a, a very very obviously attacking Brentford side. Um, Gibbs, Gibbs. The truth is, um, when Gibbs is fit, Gibbs plays. Mm. Um, he's not fit very often um, but when he is he, he gets back in the team Bilic it's been a couple of times this season where Connor Townsend hasn't done anything wrong but when Gibbs is fit he's straight back in and, and look Kieran Gibbs I think everyone look, everyone knows that Kieran Gibbs is, is, is a better player than Connor Townsend um, but I've said it before I think Connor Townsend has been excellent um, I really do and I think he was very very unfortunate to be left out of the squad um, very 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 unfortunate um, I think he's been a real pro this, this season um, bear in mind what he's had to put up with in, in terms of like he, 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 it was made abundantly clear to him really earlier in the campaign that he was third choice left back mm-hmm. um, Kieran Gibbs and Nathan Ferguson were going to start ahead of him I mean I haven't looked at the stats but I'm I don't, I'm 90% sure Townsend would have played the most games. Um, and he's done a, he's never let Albion down, never. Um, and I think he's got better and better and better. So, big call. I can understand why he went with Gibbs, of course I can. Um, of course I can. It was just, it was more, the surprising thing for me was um, that he wasn't in the squad, Townsend. Mm. Um, yeah, they're the only real selection surprises other than really, I think. I think we all kind of expected Robertson to start on the left. It's always going to be a big ass to us, Dean Garner, to come straight back into the side. I think we all expected Robertson Carney to start. And Matt Phillips was the other one. Yeah. Um, and that, that, to be honest, to me, that was a big surprise. Um, what, how I'll sum up Matt Phillips for me is, I think on his day, he is as good as anything in the championship on that right wing. My issue is, I think his days are too 
too infrequent. Yeah, it's one in every five or six games, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, is fine, but really you want him putting that performance once in every three or four, and when it becomes five or six, it's you do start to wonder, and to be honest, in this game, I wasn't hugely impressed, and it's, I don't like to single people out, especially not in a game like this, where there's so many people coming back, you just don't know how players are going to be, but it's throughout he didn't he didn't seem to cause enough problems for me. Yeah, I think if you said to me before kickoff you're going to get an absolutely top performance from Matt Phillips today. And I I mean obviously you'd play him if someone said that to you, but if you're going to get a bang in form Matt Phillips I'd play him. Mm. But uh, I'll, I'm I'm surprised he started. I wouldn't have started him. Um if I'm honest, and I don't think he really repaid that faith Billich put in him. I think his final ball was really let him down, really, really, really let him down. There was one time he sort of charged down the right, um, and he just tamely delivered this low cross that was just cleared. It was a, re- it was a really dangerous move, and it just didn't. It just didn't. I don't know. For me, it wasn't there. I, I can't think of a chance how Robson Carney had in the game. Mm. Um, I, I, he, 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 I know Robson Carney was in the side basically to link up play and bring those three players in, isn't he? His, his hold up play and his link up play is what makes him such a good player. But as a central striker, you expect to have something created for you, um, and the supply just wasn't there. And that wasn't there from Robinson either. But Phillips was in, got in better positions. He used his pace really well. Um, he, he did get into some dangerous areas, Phillips. Um, but too often that final ball was just the cross was just too easily cleared for me mm. and what about Grzycki being left out completely yeah I mean that's it's a, again I mean look someone's going to have to be left out someone is going to have to be left out there's two wingers on the bench in Kyle Edwards and Grady Diangana am I slightly surprised it was Edwards got the nod over Grzycki I am if I'm honest um, I am when you know the record Grzycki has got in the championship. He is a proven championship winger. There's no no one could question that. Um, and Edwards, um, I like him. I really really like him, uh, uh, and I think he's going to be a cracking player. Um, to me, someone who if Albion go up, they loan him out to a championship club next season, so we can get that experience. But yeah, um, yeah, and, and again. You, I, I do wonder how Grzycki took it. You think he's come from Hull? Okay, look, he was out of contract at Hull in the summer. He's basically had his ma- wages matched or whatever by Albion and got an extra de- an extra year out of it. So financially, he's definitely much better off having made the move from Hull to Albion. Um, but he's barely featured. Um, and then to be left out the squad on Saturday when you've got so many places like it's a bigger bench yeah um, you do wonder you do what you do wonder how he would have taken that really um, so yeah I don't know I don't, I'm sure look Billich is a, is a master at this he keeps everyone together and he's so good his, peop, his people skills are so good that Grzycki might start on Friday for a wee now and he could be he, I'm sure he's fine but they were big big calls to make and I think I think, I think all I'm saying is, I think no one's 
I think we're all just there were just a lot of calls that was a bit surprising. The four three three was surprising. I think Matt Phillips was surprising. I think leaving Kamal Grzycki out the, the twenty was surprising. Um, yeah, yeah. I just think there was a few surprises that we didn't definitely were. Um, I tell you what, there was the last talking point. Um, very surprising to see Cardiff go and beat Leeds, but also Albion helped out by the fact that Fulham uh, were soundly beaten by Brentford too, um, down at Craven Cottage. So results, I mean, it could have been better for Albion if they'd have got three points. Obviously, it'd be great, but it's, it's not the end of the world. I mean, it's, if anything, they've been helped out by the results around them. Well, it's natural. It's, the bottom line is a positive weekend. That if you. If every, if every weekend you you maintain your gap and you've done a good thing, haven't you? It doesn't mm. it doesn't matter if Albion draw if everyone draws or everyone wins or everyone loses. It doesn't matter as long as that gap pretty much stays the same or only reduces to whatever it, whatever. As long as Albion stay in that top two, and they're in a better position now than they were at three o'clock on Saturday. That's yeah. the truth of it. They are. They're a point better off, the top of the table, um, and. They've only got eight games left. Um, the teams are going to run out of games to catch them. Um, there's no doubt about that. So, yeah, it's, I think it's just... Everyone, everyone knows that everyone can see that and everyone's very, very happy about it. I think it's just... Blues were there for the taking, if we're being honest. Um, hats off to them. Like They defended really well. Um, Pep Clotet is leaving in the summer and at the end of the season and you couldn't tell that. Like the players proper still played for him. They really put in a shift. They really dug mm. in for him. Um, and I think that was really admirable. It was admirable the way they defended. It was admirable the fact they played for their manager. They were never going to come to the Hawthorns and play an open, expansive game. Clotet said that afterwards. Like they came to dig in and get a point, and they did it. Um, but I just feel like mm, I think everyone feels a bit like, with the greatest respect to them, they're not a great side, are they? And, no. Um, they weren't going to win that game, um, so just everyone's just. A, I think you can't help but feel just a little bit disappointed that, um, and a little bit like it's a little bit head scratchy that you look at the players Albion have got and you're like, it's Pereira, it's Dean Gardner, it's Callum Robinson, it's Romain Sawyer, it's Jake Livermore, it's Carl Edwards, it's Matt Phillips, it's Al Robson Carner, it's Charlie Austin, it's Kenneth Sahol. How did they not score? Like, look at this, look at like this attack. Like we're all. Like it's just a, an incredible attack. Um, just a bit disappointing that again they couldn't break down that Blues defence really. Um, mm. But there's no doubt about it. It's still a positive weekend. They still played. They still dominated the game. They still extended their lead in the automatic promotion places. They're back on top of the table. Um, um, so everyone, it, it, it's a very, very, very good good position to be in, isn't it? A very, very good position to be in. It's just a bit, uh, you're being, being a bit greedy, but I think. We can all just see it probably should have been a little bit better. Mm. Either way, still positives to take. Uh, before we get on to uh, listener questions, Joe, I think it'd be interesting to get um, a rundown from you in, in, in covering a behind-closed-doors game during the coronavirus pandemic. Because, I mean, not only was it fans who weren't allowed to go, there was a limited number of press allowed to go. That's why I was doing my watch-along from home. Um, thanks to everyone who tuned into that, by the way. 
but yeah, Joe, what was it like? What was the process? I mean, was it scary? Was it was it a little bit nervy? Uh, what was the process like? Um, yeah, it was very, very odd. Um, very, very well done by Albion. I've got to, it's got to be said. Like they, it was very, very, very professional. Um, mm. Very clear, everything we had to go through. But yeah, it was it was a strange experience. So I'll just talk you through it if you like. But um, essentially, we parked in a different spot right from the beginning. When we we parked in basically the car park adjacent, which is near the Greggs, you know, by the Hawthorns. Oh yeah, I know it. I know it. where the fan zone normally is. Where the fan zone normally is. Yeah. So we parked there um, instead of obviously going to Hawthorne's house. When we got to the car park, we were given a, a, a medical questionnaire where we had mm-hmm. to um, basically tick loads of boxes um, to say that we haven't had any signs of COVID-19. They went through all that, they went through the safety protocols, um, bits and bobs like that, um, had to sign it. So then when we got, then obviously walked to the ground into a different, into like the main, through the main gates, which is not, not it wasn't through the media entrance, but when, mm. we got, when we got to those main gates, we had to hand that form in and there was a, a lady on, on the gates who read it and made sure she was like happy with our answers. Then we went to the next stage, which was um, a temperature check. That was the bit I was really nervous about. Mm-hmm. Um, because basically, if your temperature, they, there's like a number, I don't know what it is, but if your temperature is that or higher, they don't let you in. Um, so that was the bit that concerned me, just because I thought well, it was hot. I've been sat in my car, I've just sat at McDonald's. Yeah. Um, am I just going to be like a bit hot and not get in? But um, <laughs> it was fine. It was fine. They'd like do do your temperature. Then and then um, get through that bit. Then you walk all the way around the ground. Um, in through another door. Um, where you go through like oh, it's almost like airport security. You walk under one of those things. Um, and there's like loads of hand sanitizer and masks if you need them. Uh, you've got to wear a mask. Um, like you've got to put your mask on at that point. I had one with me, but they were, they were giving them out if you didn't have one. And then, yeah, and then it was just a case of walking through to my seat. Um, we were sort of marshalled through. Um, so we were kept socially distanced and and just basically I had a, I had a seat number as you'd expect. And then mm. like every three, the next three seats were all taped up. So I was sat next to Joe Chapman from the Birmingham Mail, but he was, rather than being literally next to me, he was three seats away um, in the press box. And then, yeah, then it was just, it was just a bit weird from that point, really. Um, because, obviously, the, everyone's, there's, there's some people there in, like, boiler suits, you know, like the white boiler suits you see, like, people who are, like, quarantining. Yeah, yeah disinfectant, disinfectant people, kind yeah, of. Yeah, like that. And then, so you see them, and that sort of like hits you a little bit. You're like, oh. And then there's a lot of people walking. Every, obviously, everyone's wearing masks, which is quite striking. A lot of people are wearing like blue gloves, which is also quite striking. Um, and then there's just so few people there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was very odd. Um, and then obviously, like the, it's when the teams come out when it's really, really, really weird. Because first the subs come out and then they just sit in the stands, but socially yeah. distanced, so they don't go in the dugout. And then the teams come out separately in different tunnels. So well, Albion came out the tunnel, but um, 
blues came out like a gantry. Uh, Strange. So, but they, they obviously, it's, it's when they come out to absolute silence that you, you think, oh, that is really hard. And then Albion came out to Insomnia like they always do, but they only played it for like 10 seconds. Mm. So it was really, really abrupt. Um, and it was just whistle blew and played, really. It was just all very, it was really, really odd. It was really, really, really odd. Um, yeah, it was very, very, very odd. What I will say is, I know, I, I know I've had so many messages from people saying, can they hold my bag and stuff, and they're so and they're jealous <laughs> and all this, that, and the other. And I, would, I completely get it, don't get me wrong. I know how lucky I am. I'm not saying for one minute I'm not. I'm so pleased that I'm going to watch these nine games and I'm going to be there in the flesh. But you're not missing out on normal football. You're really not. Like, it's not, <laughs> it is nowhere near as good without fans. I have to say that. I, don't, I really don't want to come across as ungrateful because I am very, very grateful to be going. But you really, really, like, notice it. Um, Football fans make it, honestly. They really, really, really make it. Um, <clears throat> it's the atmosphere that makes it and that buzz and that noise. and It's really odd about them. Really, really odd. Sounds sounds quite uh, daunting, to be honest with you. Um, but even on TV, it's, it's, it does seem a bit strange. It just, it just seems a bit odd. Hopefully, by the time the new season rolls around, fans will be allowed back in. Because really it's, it's not quite so. the same. I really, really, really hope so. That was my big thing coming away from it. I was driving back and I was thinking, do you know what? If I really, really hope if Albion go up, which we all think they will, and if they get like first game is like Tottenham away or something in the Premier League, mm. I really, really hope fans are there for that. Because it'll be. I don't know, it'd just be horrible, really. <laughs> Not so. Oh, it'd be great. It, it just, it just, it just, it, it will, it will be really, really strange um, to experience it without fans. Um, yeah, it's kind of like doing these podcasts without being able to see you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> similar, mate, similar. Yeah. Sort of um, right, let's go on to questions. Let's go on to questions because we've had plenty. Um, Leo Watkins, first one. Are we in danger of having too many options to choose from? Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't think you can have too many options, really. Um, in the sense that, I mean, I write it every day. It's nine games in 33 days or whatever. And it's gonna, it's, this is the biggest gap we're going to have. We've got Saturday to Friday, haven't we, this week? Yeah. Um, but other than that, every week there's going to be a midweek game. Um, so it's going to be games really, really... It's going to be such a quick turnaround. Um, there's always going to be games going on that I don't think you can have too many options. Um, and I think probably the saving grace is that Albion have got so, so much to play for. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's going to be anyone who wants to rock the boat. Um, like Billich's instills such a like a wonderful team spirit and it's such a happy camp um, and everyone is so pleased to be a part of it and part of a team that plays on the front foot every week and is competing for a title so I think when you when you go in for something like that I don't think anyone can really moan um, or, or, or sort of upset the apple cart so I think it I think it it'll be fine um, I do think it'll be fine but there's no doubt about it. Billich must have had some really uncomfortable conversations before that game. 
Mm. Um, but that's what being a manager is. Um, and that he always says he's rather up those options than not. Mm. Yeah, definitely some tough conversations to be had. Uh, Tongsic, if our performance on Saturday was a type of food, what food would it have been? Um, that's a great question. Superb question. For me, do you know what it is? Well, I, I, no, I don't. For me, it's Tesco value beans on toast. Right, go on. So, bland, a bit drab. It does the job in terms of sustaining you, but it wasn't. It isn't exciting. If someone tells you you're having beans on toast, it's not an exciting meal, is it? It's not flashy. Uh, it just it just about does the job. That is a nil-nil draw. No butter on the bread. Lightly toasted. It's just a bit meh. Right. What would you what oh, would you have it as? I no idea, mate. What do you mean give it a go? Um Would it be stew? I don't don't know, because I don't eat stew. Um average, an average tea. Uh be a bit fish and chips for me. Fish and chips? Yeah. Fair. I quite like it. It's more of a, it's more a six and a half out of ten than it is anything else but it's still only six and a half out of ten. Oh I don't know I've had some great fish and chips before. Yeah. Yeah I'm sticking with fish and chips. Okay, okay fair enough fair enough fair enough fair enough. Um, Ronnie comes in with two questions. First one were you surprised that Matt Phillips was in the side ahead of Kravinovic or Diangana? Uh I was and it showed that he was off form again. Also what did Joe take as a match day snack uh, what was it? What was it? Did you take a match day snack? I had a McDonald's before I went in. Do you know I got hungry toward the end? I did actually. I was hungry at the end, but I didn't have anything. Oh. I sort of thought that I planned ahead with a McDonald's. I thought that would see me through, but I didn't. I'm always, I'm always hungry after a McDonald's. Yeah, it's not quite filling it's enough, not is filling it? Enough, no. Um, and then yeah, for it. So I am surprised. Like I said earlier, I am. I got to be honest. I am surprised. I am. Hmm. Um, I didn't. I, I didn't see that one coming. I didn't. Um, and if it had been me, I'd have played Kravinovic in a four-three-three and put stuck Pereira out on the right. Hmm. Uh, Ronnie asked another question as well. Brentford were probably the best team to come to the Hawthorns this season. How can Albion go to Brentford and get three points? In your opinion, I think it'd be hard for them because Brentford have started so well. Um, they've got a lot of good players Ollie Watkins, Saeed Benrahma both very good don't know whether they'll have Brian and Bueno back I don't know what the deal is with that um, but I, it's going to be a tough one if you if you take a point, if you can get a point you take it yeah you take a point Yeah, definitely you would take a point especially I mean, you've got to remember at the weekend Leeds are playing Fulham yeah, yeah. Um, which kind of is like a wonderful time for them to be playing each other isn't it it's sort of they're all, everyone's going to sort of drop points really at the weekend um, mm. so it's not going to be look I, I, I like Brentford I really do um, I think they've like done played really well this season like the players you listed absolutely um, are really like cracking players Ben Rama look by all accounts he's going to Chelsea I think or, or whatever there's 
He's been linked with some really top clubs. Ollie Watkins had a fun. Everyone's going to Chelsea apparently. Yeah, true. Everyone's going to Chelsea. Ollie Watkins, great season. Um, really good player. Brentford are a really, really good side. They're a really, really good side who've lost eleven games this season. Mm. It's not. They're not world beaters. Um, they're they're fourth. Um, after 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 thirty eight games, they're fourth. Um, and like to reiterate, they've lost eleven games. Like if. Swansea have only lost 10. Millwall have only lost 10. Um, so it's not... When they're free-flowing, when they're, when they're bang at it, they're brilliant, aren't they? But so is everyone. Mm. Um, so I think everything in football is so sort of emotional and so you can't help. What we've really missed from that Blues game... What, more, not more than the points because it is all the points that matter but the optimism you get you just feel good after a win don't you everyone's mm. upbeat you win a game of football and it's like yes we've won the game everything's, everything's rosy everything's fine on to the next one brilliant we've won and then when you don't win you just have a little bit of a doubt a little bit of doubt creeping and you look elsewhere and you see that Brentford have won and of course they beat Fulham um, and that's a cracking result and they were in good form before lockdown and stuff so that they're a danger, but the, after 38 games, they're only fourth. After, yeah. after 38 games, I'll be in the top. Um, so they're not. I'll be for me are the better team. Um, I think it's important we remember that. They might go there, they might not win the games. Griffin Park, tough place to go, but. Brentford are going to have to deal with it now, aren't they? They're going to have to deal with being the home side. They're going to have to deal with the pressure that comes with playing at home but without having any fans in attendance. Mm. Um, and they're going to go into it with a spring in their step. Of course they are. But Albion are going into it with a bit of a point to prove now, um, having not beaten Blues. And I do think we've seen time and time again this season, Albion has sort of fallen a little bit short when teams come and sit so many players behind the ball. Mm. Like we saw it at home with Stoke. I mean, Stoke snatched that one 0 I mean, they defended for their lives. Charlton did it to them. Um, I mean, I've, I've, the only two I can remember off the top of my head. But there's been other occasions. It's that. Did Middlesbrough do it as well? Mid Middlesbrough maybe. I wasn't at that Middlesbrough game. But, um, yeah, well, yeah, I covered the Middlesbrough game. Yeah, they did it. Um, but there have been occasions where I've been I've struggled to break these like rigid, rigid defensive these. T teams have basically come from a point and if they get anything more it's an absolute massive bonus um, Brentford won't be like that at home they will play um, and that means Albion can play mm. um, and do you know what side Ben Rama cracking player they'd rather have Pereira um, yeah. so like Pontus Janssen um, good centre back would rather have Shemi Ajayi do you know what I mean? I, like I'm, I, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm confident Albion can go there and get a result. I really, really am. Um, I think that. I think they. Yeah. More. I mean, I, well, look. I take a draw now, but I'll I, I back Albion there all day long. I really was. Hmm. Uh, Spencer George disappointed not to see more of Krov on Saturday. Also a bit lacklustre in regards to effort around the stadium experience. Seat covers, etc., were minimal and all corporate, nothing really fan oriented. Do you agree or disagree? I mean, that's an interesting one because I thought something similar when I was watching the game. You've seen a lot of clubs. Um, I mean, for me, obviously, I saw the Villa game and Villa have 
have kitted out pretty much all of the lower tier of, of Villa Park with flags and all sorts and they've asked for people to send flags in. With Albion, we didn't really see too much of that seat covering stuff going on. Did you agree with that? Or Yeah, the flags thing. I do I do think so with the flags. Um, I think it could have been a bit more sort of colourful, um, if I'm honest. Um, they could have been maybe done something like that. Um, I think a lot of things, are like Albion have looked at things very, very sort of as they do, very, very cost effectively. Um, like I know, like I think Leeds have done cardboard cutouts of fans to stick in the stands. I think Albion did look at it, but you need a certain mm. amount, and they, it, they've just Albion just going to run the tightest of ships, aren't they? They're just going to do things yeah. financially the best way possible, really. Um, they're not they're not an exuberant club, are they, Albion? They're not they're not going to just waste money or do something to be a little bit a little bit for show. They're mm. always sort of let's be sensible let's do things the right way let's keep things very sort of straight so i think that's probably why that was um i don't know where i've got to be honest i don't know where i stand on it like they could have they could have put some flags in they could have um but does it really make a difference i don't know the players aren't gonna it's not like when you hear that roar um after you have like a couple successive corners or something like that, you, players aren't going to look and see them flags and go, "Oh yeah, that's that's got my adrenaline going," are they? No, it's a nice touch, but it's not going to hype the players up. I think the message is Albion. What they put, I think what they, the big thing they did was the messages from fans before kickoff, mm. um, and that was played to the players as they were warming up, um, and I actually thought that was really really nice, um, sort of seeing people sat on their sofas and. A couple of them um, were really sort of complimentary about Chris Brunt, um, which I thought was lovely, um, even though he wasn't there. Um, yeah, I was going to say you'll love that not being squad. Um, but it, I thought that was I thought that was a nice touch, and I thought that was a way of letting the players know that the fans aren't there, but they were there with them in spirit, weren't they? Um, mm. I thought that was nice. Um, I think that was a really really good idea. Um, so yeah, um, I get the point w- with with the flags. I do, um, but I just think football without fans is a bit rubbish. Mm. Um, and there's like there's not a lot that can really compensate for that. Um, just need fans back as soon as possible. Um, yeah, because that's what it's um, all about, really. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Sunil Patel, why have we struggled against teams which sit back and defend um, when we have such an array of attacking and creative players at our disposal? Is it purely because we are better on the counter, or can we remedy remedy this any better to stop us drawing so many games? Well, that's kind of the million dollar question, isn't it? And that's the one mm. that um, I wish I knew the answer to. To be honest, I think it's the one that Slavin Bilic wishes he knew the answer to. Um, but. It is amazing. I mean, I'm repeating what I said earlier, but you just... If you stopped an Albion fan outside the street now, outside ahead of that Blues game and said, Lee, this is the team, these are who we're playing, like, do you back us to score? I mean, I just think everyone would say yes. Yeah. Um, and if in, on top of that you tell them that you're going to have 66% possession. Um, Blues are going to have two shots basically in the whole game and they're going to be straight at Sam Johnston. 
Um, I think you'd not only expect him to score, you'd think um, you'd expect him to win the game. I mean, it, it, is, it is bizarre with the players that they have at their disposal. But what I will say about Saturday, probably should have said this earlier, is I don't think Albion created a clear chance. No, no they didn't. Um, if we're being brutally honest, um, I don't even know what the best chance of the game was. I don't. I'm trying to think. Phillips went through with Agazi, but is he scoring that really? Like, I, I don't think he is. It's definitely what you'd call a half chance. I'm not even sure it's that. I think mm. probably Pereira from twenty yards. Or that, or there was a scramble. I think quite late on. Oh, there was the scramble. Yeah, there was the scramble. Pereira sent through that cross that literally flashed across the face of goal. Mm. Um, but there was no one there to get on the end of it. And then the scramble, but they weren't, they were more like opportunities, weren't they, than chances? Yeah, it was never anything crafted. It was always something that came out. Like, for example, the scramble is just one of those where the ball kind of pings around a little bit. It's not. You can't say there's any nuance to it. It was just an opportunity, like you said. It wasn't like, it, Albion never carved Blues open. Yeah, they didn't, did they? No. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, in answer to the question, I think we're all baffled by it. I really do think we're all baffled by it. Um, and I think, but I think it'll get easier. I do, I do. It's not, it's not going to be many teams like Blues who, let's be honest, they're in a bit of a crisis. They've, mm. they, they've released players already. They've, they're, they're losing their manager at the end of the season. They just want to get over the line, don't they? Yeah, because yeah, they're still not completely safe, are they? Not completely safe. So a point for them is a really good result. Um, so don't think that Albion will come across many teams as dogged as they were at the weekend. Um, mm. I certainly hope not. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely something in that. And it's definitely... You can, I think everyone can understand why you'd be... There's no doubt Brentford are a better team than Blues. But I think everyone can see why you can be, a bit, you can be optimistic going there. Because they will play, yeah. and that will allow, allow Albion to play. There's a good follow-up question from Hamza Darby. He says, what do you think we need to do in the summer in terms of breaking down more stubborn defences, better striker, more direct midfielder? I think last season you didn't see too many of these games because Albion had a striker who would... He would... Those opportunities, Dwight Gale would be on the end of them. Dwight Gale, the ball would fall to Dwight Gale because he was in the right place at the right time. Albion don't really have that striker who's going to bang in 20 goals for them. I think if you had a striker like that, you're more likely to break down a stubborn defence purely because you've got one of those like predatory strikers who the ball just happens to drop to. And you might argue that Charlie Austin is that, but he didn't start. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the pace is the thing for me. Um, mm. everything was in front of Blues on Saturday really um, and he, Robson Carnu, master at Lincoln play we all know I absolutely love the bloke um, Charlie Austin master finisher we all know that but even when Austin came on him and Robson Carnu were not blessed for pace mm. um, and there was there was two times actually, one each, one for Robson Carnu, one for Austin, where balls could have been slipped in, 
Um, and I think it was slipped in for Carno, but it was over hit. And of Austin, the, the pass went elsewhere. And I just thought, I wonder, you know, if that was a quick striker, would someone like Pereira be more willing to play that ball? Just mm-hmm. that little... We have seen it a few times a season where he's thread Robson Carno in. But just that blistering pace. Yeah, those times it's kind of been the ball which has done a lot of the good work, I think. Like, don't get me wrong, like, Robson Carno's made the run. But it's the ball which has, has been pinpoint. I think that's an excellent been, point, yeah. That's it's been fun. perfect for him. Yeah, I agree. He's not... He's not the man who's like flying in behind. It's not like a, I don't know, like a Michael Owen back in the day where you could literally punt the ball forward and he would get on the end of it. The ball has to be perfect in behind for someone like Robson Carney or Charlie Austin. They don't have, they haven't been that recently and purely, I suppose, over Blues because A, the players are only just coming back and two, the way Blues were set up, it was hard to get in behind them anyway because they were playing so deep. Yeah, I think that's spot on, I do. I think that's a cracking point. You want that player who the pass doesn't have to be that good, does it? Because mm. they're so quick, they're going to get on the end of it anyway. Um, yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Mm. Will uh, asks, are you still confident that we will be promoted automatically when you see how Brentford has started off compared to us with the games they have left in the running? They could quite easily take our spot. Also, any news on Tullet contract and why he wasn't on the bench of the Blues? Will strikes me as your classic... Um, your classic Albion fan in terms of if things are going okay, you start to worry. And I think a lot of football fans are like this. You see, you, you come off one result, it's a draw, you see a team and you, you begin to get a little bit nervous. I, th- I don't think he needs to be. I, I think a lot of Albion fans, you know, ad- admittedly, probably rightly, are wary um, because it's happened before where Albion have, have you know, it happened last season. You know, Albion didn't get the job done. I think this year you can be a bit more confident than that. Um, especially the way that you've got Leeds who are basically the masters of bottling it from this kind of position. Um, um, yeah. And a classic Leeds performance against Cardiff yesterday. But uh, yeah, I don't think you need to worry too much yet. If Talk to me in two games' time. If... if Brentford or Fulham have caught them up, then yeah, maybe it's time to worry a little bit. But at the moment, I don't think you need to worry. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you need to worry. I think. I think it's been a bit of a weird podcast because it, I think I feel like it's been a bit too downbeat. Really, like we're like, mm. like we're not. It is a bit like it's meant. To, we love Slavin. Like we absolutely love the bloke. Um, he's done. An, he's he's, a, he's just amazing. Um, so to question him and to criticise the tactics a little bit is a bit. It's a bit unfair, really, but. I think it's what everyone's talking about. I think everyone's like, we're trying to we're, we're trying to analyse the game in hindsight, aren't we? Um, mm. And look, I have got I am massively confident I've been going up. Massively confident I've been going up, um, and we're finishing the top two. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm so I'm really really confident. I'm not worried about Brentford either. Uh, I'm really not. I think uh, as in overall, I'm not worried about Brentford. They might. It, it, we'll see how it goes on Friday, but. I don't. I don't expect Brentford to finish in the top two, if I'm honest. Um, mm. but, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. But I, I think we can. I think it's exactly what you said there. It's exactly what you said. It's just that I touched on it earlier. That little bit of negativity comes in when you don't get the result you want, and you look a little bit overly envious at teams that have got the result you want. Mm. Um, and I think one win would settle everyone down so much. 
Um, a win over Brentford and everything's say 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 you beat Brentford and Leeds and Fulham draw. I mean that's essentially your dream result, isn't it? Yeah, I mean if we, if I think the mood will. I mean a win against Brentford would be more than a win. It would be a statement win, and I think everyone would be giddy then, um, and would think pretty much promotion was in the bag. Um, so I think that's where we are really with it. I think it's look, it's a nine, it's a nine game mini season. It's a, it's a new sort of era, if you like, even if it is the same season. Um, getting that first win will settle everyone down. It'll settle Albion down. Um, mm. Of course it will. Um, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't. We can all raise our eyebrows. We can all, we can all think, oh, do you know what? If it. We probably should have gone four three three on Saturday, and or whatever, or should have played Dean Garner from the start or Kovinovic from the start or whatever. But the truth is, Albion played really well. They just didn't break them down. They completely dominated the game. Completely mm. dominated the game. They are they are superior than the vast majority of sides they will face this season. Um, so there's not an I don't I personally don't think there's a lot to worry about, and I thoroughly expect them to go on and get the job done. Mm. Will Davis is Mbueno able to play for Brentford on Friday, or is he still in his fourteen-day quarantine? And then someone's followed that by saying, "I thought it was only seven-day quarantine, as he's shown no symptoms." Of course, Mbueno tested positive for coronavirus ahead of the game with Fulham. I suppose it all comes down to the next batch of testing. If 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 he's tested and he's negative, then obviously he'd be able to play. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's exactly it. Um, do you still think we will go up? Says James Duffy. Yes. Um, Rob Paddock, our striking options, where are goals coming from? As, as we've said before, I think the goals more likely not to come from a striker, more from your Pereira's, Diangana's, Phillips when he's playing, uh, Callum Robinson, that, that type of player. Yeah, but I expect Robson kind to chip in still. Um, mm. He's got 10 this season. He's in double figures. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I think we're going to be fine. I really do think we're going to be fine. I don't. I, don't, I mean, does that, uh, the truth is, Albion haven't scored for three games in a row now, three league games in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't really think you can compare pre-lockdown to before lockdown. Um, Definitely not. And I think to say where are the goals going to come from? Like I said in the podcast last week, I truly believe Mateus Pereira, Grady Dean Garner, and Callum Robinson are Premier League players. Um, the Premier League players playing in the Championship, so they're going to score goals. Like Albion are going to score goals. They're going to create chances. They're going to be on top in the vast amount of games they play. Um, they're going to they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine, I think. Mm. Bryn Reese, I might be too late, but can Joe feedback having seen live on who had the best lockdown hair and beard combo? He says I feel Jake Livermore really pulled off the seventies retro look. Yeah, Livermore looks cool, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, it suits Livermore. Um, he does look. I think he looks really cool here. Um, I can't think of anyone who really stood out. That's the thing. I mentioned this in the watch along because, I mean, some players you looked at. I don't know if you saw him, but Mitrovic looks a completely different person. No, does he? I didn't see that. He has got like his hair is is so long, and he's got it's almost a bit of a bowl cut to be honest with you. Um, so it's it's it, he looks very different. Whereas you looked at Albion's squad and, I mean, there was no real standouts other than Jake Livermore, I didn't think. And Livermore look, is, is 
It looked good. Livermore's does is the one who looks the most different, I think. Um, they all look pretty, like. Uh, have they all got the short hair? <laughs> they have, haven't they? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Pereira's got the curls, yeah, but, but the curls yeah, don't really matter, does it? No, so like it doesn't matter. Sawyer's obviously has his like uh, braided. Um, Johnston just shaves his head. Darnell Furlong looked fine. They all look fine, H don't they? Hagazi's just got long hair anyway. Yeah. Ajay looked fine. Yeah. Gibbs was fine. <laughs> Everyone was fine. They've come for it pretty well, haven't they? Yeah, in terms of um, maybe they've all got um, partners who are great, great with a set of clippers. I don't know. I think a lot of them have just got like shaved heads, though, haven't they? Really? Yeah, that's what I resorted to. Just shave mine off. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's just it's just Jake, isn't it? He, he yeah, does look Jake. different, but I like, but a good different. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was a fan. Um, Simon says, Joe, from inside the ground, what were your thoughts on fake crowd noise? I'm not too sure whether that was played through the ground or just provided by Sky Sports. Joe, can you open up on that? Yeah, I didn't hear any fake noise. Yeah, that was provided by Sky Sports, which I'm not a fan of. I don't know, how many games have you watched, Joe? Have you watched it with the noise or without it? I've watched games with and without it, I think. And what did you prefer? I do prefer the noise. Do you? Do you? Yeah. I don't. It just makes you kind of forget a bit. Oh, it bothered me. Like, I don't know whether it was the game I was watching. It was literally the first game, Sheffield United, Aston Villa. I think Ender Stevens had a pop from like a really weird angle, hit the side name. And I think someone must have pressed the wrong button. But like two seconds too late. So like everyone knew it had gone wide. And then all of a sudden you just heard, whoa. And I was like, what? I just, no, I couldn't deal with it. I quite like, I quite like being able to hear people just chatting. Yeah, that was the, that was the one thing I was a bit. Mayor Matt Mayor, our Villa guy. At the Sheffield United, was the Sheffield United game at Villa Park or? Mm. It was at Villa Park. Yeah. Because he um, rung me before before the game, before the Albion game, after he'd been to the Villa game, just to sort of talk it through a little bit. And he said he gave he gave me some good advice, which was because obviously I write my match report while watching the game. So mm. there's a lot of times when I'm not watching the game. I'm like watch, looking at my screen. And in yeah. those moments, you, you rely on the crowd because the crowd yeah. get louder and get made that, that sort of, you can hear that excitement, if you like, that tension, that like, oh, that urgency. And that makes me look up. I do that when I'm watching a game, like even on, at home. Like I'll just, if, if it's a bit of a quiet moment, I'll just pull my phone out and just scroll through Twitter. And then if I hear the crowd pick up, I'll go, oh, what's going on? Yeah. There's like a few, like, obviously like 95% of the people who follow me on Twitter are absolutely amazing. But some people do give me a bit of a hard time. But like, there was like one guy, I can remember there was, there was a goal and like, I can't, Karinovic, is Karinovic scored, is, oh no, is there was a goal where someone passed to somebody who scored, yeah. I know that sounds ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Kravinovic, before that, before the assist pass, the assist for the assist, yeah. The hockey assist. Kravinovic played an absolute worldie of a ball, right? Mm. And um, I didn't see that because I, was watch I had my head in my laptop. But because of the crowd, I then saw the assist 
which was pretty much a simple pass. Do you know, do you know mm. what I mean? Yeah. So I described the goal by saying something like, "Oh, Dean Garner passed to Austin, who fired in." And then, like this, like someone jumped at me. Ah, oh, oh, what about that Krivinovich pass? Blah 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 blah. Um, but I didn't. But that's that's why I need the crowd, if you like. Um, mm. So that's why I found that bit different. That's what Mayer said to me. You're gonna have to really notice that. But he also said what he liked about Villa Park was one of the positives was that you could really hear what the players and Dean Smith were shouting. He's helped by the fact Dean Smith seems to stand off at the Trinity stand when he's watching games as yeah. well. Yeah. And I was quite looking forward to that. As a few games, um, like I did pre-season games with Walsall where you could really hear the managers. Mm. And I always found that like fascinating. But the Hawthorns, I was too far away. Uh, yeah. I had Billich absolutely rinse the fourth official once. <laughs> I like, absolutely rinsed him. And then it was like he had a moment where Billich realised he hadn't been very nice and he's always nice and went over and sort of apologised to him, and they did the old elbow knock. Mm. Um, but I was really disappointed at that on Saturday. Like, I really wanted to be able to hear what Bilic was shouting, um, but I couldn't. I could, Sam Johnston was very vocal um, from the back, but I couldn't make out what he was saying either. Um, so I'm hoping it might be a bit different at Griffin Park, because it's a very small tight, tight isn't congested it? ground so I'm hoping to so I think that's an in, that's insight worth having isn't it mm. um, but yeah just that, that was a bit disappointing I couldn't hear them yeah last question for very very quick question before we do a very quick Brentford preview uh, Dara Martin any word on the Louis Barry money according to Kieran Maguire on the podcast of the Price of Football podcast this morning West Brom are entitled some of the fee that Villa paid from two whether it will be received or not is another question. Are we still waiting on Barcelona to cough up some cash, Joe? Oh, wow. I mean, he's ahead of me there because I, I haven't listened to that podcast. Um, uh, da, 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 da. I last checked about six weeks ago. And as of then, they were still waiting for the money. It starts charging interest for me. Um, but that's something I can follow up this week. That's no problem. So apparently that... Albion had used some of the money Villa paid. Apparently so. Right, okay. Right, okay. Expecting Let's talk Brent. story on that and express and style very soon. Yep. yep. Let's talk Brentford. Obviously got a great result against Fulham the other day. A lot of players to worry about. If you had to pick one to play for Albion, who would it be? Side Ben Rama? Uh, or would you take Ollie Watkins? Uh, I'd probably take Watkins. I think he's more what uh, the, the hero... Well, I was saying the hero Albion need... The player Albion need, as opposed to some side Ben Rama. They've already got Pereira, in there, and a Dean Garner. Yeah, I think I'd take Watkins. Um, 22 goals this season. I mean, it's what we said earlier, isn't it? But if we had a striker with 22 goals, I think we would have been promoted before lockdown. Um, mm. So, yeah, Watkins for me. He's, they've, got lo- they've got a lovely team, haven't they, Brentford? Yeah. There's no doubt about it. They've got a lovely team. Um, Managed it terrifically when you consider that players have been losing as well all the time and you know managerial changes. It's It's been constantly going up, hasn't it, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a very interesting club, very interesting model. Um, got a ground that in normal circumstances would be a really daunting place to go. Um, 
they'll lose some of that now. Um, but they got good players. They got good players. Ben Rama, obviously a good player. Ethan Pinnock, um, saw him a lot for Barnsley. Good player. I like Josh De Silva. Um, mm. Good player. Pontus Janssen. I think everyone thought he was Leeds' best defender, um, and was surprised that they let him go. So, um, but I'm big. I really like Rico Henry, the left back who started at Walsall. Um, mm -hmm. Who. Um, just had struggles with injury, didn't he? Yeah, he's had, yeah, he's had a lot of problems with injuries. I mean, he, he is tiny, um, but he's absolutely rapid, um, and he's very good on the ball. And he's a little—he's just—he's very—he's a good defender as well. Um, so yeah, they've got a really good team, really, really good team. I've got no doubt they're in the top six teams in the championship. They play good football. Um, they're going to be right in there, aren't they? They're going to be right in the, in the mix for a Premier League spot if it go. If it goes, if they finish in the playoffs, um, if they do miss out on a place in the top two, if, to me they're just. I, it wasn't. A, I can see them losing to. I can see them. Win, I could see them winning the Fulham game, and I, I'll predict a draw for this Albion game. I can just see them losing to someone ridiculous. Um, and it comes back to that they've lost eleven games this season. Mm. They're. They're, they're very, they are beatable. Um, there's no doubt about it. On their day, they're excellent. They're very, very good side. They were great at the Hawthorns. Um, very, very pleasing on the eye. But it doesn't happen every week for them. It really doesn't. Hmm. So, what are you going with prediction then? I, do you know what? I might go 2-2. Two, 2-2, two. Two, two, plenty of goals. Yeah. Plenty of goals, yeah. I think me. I think Albion have got to score at some point. I think it's, they, they've gone too long now, and I think that will. Uh, I think the Blues will just be a little wake-up call for them. But it's one of these, one of those games where I think a goal could spark them both into life. Really, mm. um, if one of them nicks something in the first twenty minutes, I think it could bring out the best in both teams. Really, but I think we'd all take a draw now, wouldn't we? Oh, I'd certainly take a draw. Um, Take a draw and then see how the Leeds Fulham game goes. But I, mean, I think we'd take that. We'd take that. I mean, if I, I mean, look, the dream weekend's a win, obviously. Um, but mm. I think if right now you'd definitely, definitely take a draw if it meant if Leeds and Fulham drew as well. And look at the pressure definitely. on those two going into that game. Massive, Massive isn't it? Um, having been beaten in the, like both, yeah, yeah, mental, mental, crazy division, isn't it? Certainly is, mate. Certainly is. Um, right, that just about does us. One hour, 15 minutes uh, or so of Albion chit-chat. Uh, Joe, unless you've got anything else to add, um, I'm just going to say, please make sure, if you're listening to this, give us a like, um, review us on iTunes or Spotify, whatever you can. Really appreciate it. But from me and Joe, unless you've got anything else to add, mate? I was going to say, I do feel like it has been a bit downbeat. I do feel like a bit like, oh no, like it's a bit, oh, but... It couldn't be better, could it? Top of the league. <laughs> top of the league, top of the league and we're league, moaning about, about 4 2 3 That's what we need to remember about. Top of the league. Top of the league. Eight games to go. Seven points clear of third. Um, it's a fantastic position. It's a fantastic position. It could be a whole lot worse. Right, we'll speak to you in a week's time. <laughs>